Hey friends, welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I am Chris Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Let me tell you what, we are so happy that you're listening in today. In fact, if this is your first time listening or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot me an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. We're in week two of a series we're calling Making a Messiah, Authoritative Teaching. And we're looking at Jesus's teaching in the book of Matthew. This whole series, we're asking, what did Jesus say? And why does it matter that he said it? Who is he and what authority does he have? Today we're reading in Matthew 10 where Jesus said some pretty shocking things. Things that'll make you question if you're really even reading the Bible. Let's listen in to how Jesus is challenging us. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Jesus said to his disciples, listen well, I am sending you to people who want to kill you. You will be like sheep among wild animals. You must watch carefully like snakes do, but you must also be good and kind like doves. Be careful. People will be against you. They will take you to stand in front of their leaders. They will punish you with whips in their meeting places. They will take you to stand in front of kings and rulers. All this will happen because you are my disciples. At that time, a man will let people kill his own brother. A father will let people kill his own child. Children will be against their parents. They will even ask people to kill their parents. All people will hate you because you are my disciples. But God will save the person who remains strong until the end. You should say clearly to other people, I believe in Jesus. If you do that, I will say to my Father in heaven, this is someone who is my disciple. But if you say to other people, I do not believe in Jesus, I will then say to my Father in heaven, I do not know that person. He is not one of my disciples. I did not come so that everyone would agree with each other. No, I came to put people against one another, to fight against each other. A man will fight against his father. A daughter will fight against her mother. A woman will fight against her husband's mother. A man's own family will fight against him. Nobody should love his own father and mother more than he loves me. If he does, he cannot be my disciple. Nobody should love his own son or daughter more than he loves me. If he does, then he cannot be my disciple. If you really want to be one of my disciples, you must be ready to die for me. Live like a person who carries his own cross to go and die. Whoever wants to keep his life safe will lose it. But whoever lives his life to serve me will have true life. you listen to that holy cow what kind of teacher is Jesus makes you kind of wonder whether we should have a rating system on the Bible for our kids doesn't it maybe some words of Jesus are G rated some of them are PG maybe the one that Caitlin just read is more like PG 13 or even R what if Jesus were to kind of drop in and would we want him to go down and talk to our kids down in kids zone Would you want your kids hearing stuff like that? Would you want your grandkids hearing it? On the other hand, maybe one of the reasons that a lot of our kids walk away from God is because we protect them from the real God. To be honest, I wish I had some bacon jokes for you this morning. I don't. I wish I had some funny NFL meme about how sad the Super Bowl was last week. But this morning we're going to go down deep and we're not going to come up for air. 
It's not going to be really fun to listen to. I really am sorry. In fact, I'm so concerned that I think I'm going to give you a chance to slip out. I'm going to pray right now. The lights are kind of down, so if you want to leave, just be real quiet. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, some of your words are hard. But they're part of your word too. And that's what we're going to try to dig into this morning. So I pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, there were some great things happening at Cap City last year. There really were. We had a really strong year in a lot of different ways. It was our biggest year ever with respect to our numbers. We met budget and more. We were able to do a lot of really good things. I hope God is pleased. Truth is, that stuff matters a lot. God wants his church to grow, and he wants his people to be generous, and we did both. What we didn't do enough last year was to use that baptistry enough. Two parts of our mission here from God, we believe. To bring people face-to-face with Jesus, to try to encourage people to become Jesus followers, and then to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers. Mature them, grow them as Christians. We did pretty well at part two, growing up Jesus followers. We didn't do very well at part one. Now I know that every single person we baptized last year is precious to God and precious to us. But a church our size needs to be reaching more people. That's the bottom line. And we're in this thing together. We're supposed to have each other's backs. Most of us know people who need Jesus at the center of their life. Don't you? Most of us love people who need Jesus at the center of their life. Don't you? We're not nudging enough of them to come to that place where they can come face to face with the real Jesus who is so compelling. Are you getting it done? Guys, I hope they can come face to face with the real Jesus right here in this room. I hope they feel his awesome presence right here, that they hear his truth and feel his grace right here. Even though not everything that Jesus said was attractive. A lot of what Jesus said is really hard to hear scary. We want those that we love to follow Jesus. We think that's the best path. But we also want to be absolutely transparent. Jesus following will not always make your life easier. In fact, sometimes because you're a Jesus follower, it is going to get harder. Not going to lie to you. Jesus didn't. Jesus said, they hate me. And if you follow me, they're going to hate you. Truth is, following Jesus may put a wedge between you and your parents, you and your kids, you and your friends. They may force you to make a choice, you or them, or him. And if you choose Jesus, they'll be hard on you, sometimes brutally hard. So the real Jesus says, I didn't come here to heal every family. I came here to tear some of them apart. Because that's what it's going to cost for you to follow me. And if I'm not more important to you than your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, your hobbies, your jobs, your reputation, your 401k, then you're not a real Jesus follower. That's what he says. It's going to be hard. But he says, do it anyway. Because it's right. 
and you're going to discover that it's worth it, way worth it. Now, do you buy that? Do you really? Because the real Jesus, the real Jesus is so big, he's wild, he's captivating, he is so God, you do not want to tame God. You don't want a domesticated God, a puny God. Now, I need you to lean in and really listen. Listen. Salvation costs you nothing. Costs him a lot. Your salvation costs you nothing. But Jesus following, following the real Jesus, will cost you everything. Salvation is something that Jesus does for you. But Jesus following means doing life with God, for God, God's way, even when it's hard. It's not just about believing in Jesus, believing something about Jesus. Following Jesus is about doing life with God, for God, God's way, even when it's hard. And I'm telling you guys, in a world that is at war with God, which ours is, it's going to be hard. Now, do you think saying this kind of stuff is going to encourage your friends to come face to face with Jesus and sign on? Do you think saying this stuff out loud, being completely transparent about this stuff is going to help us baptize more Jesus followers? Well, it might. No one wants a puny God. Everybody wants someone or something that they're willing to die for. And what about all those people who get baptized and you've seen so many of them and then they just kind of drift away from God. They don't do life with God, for God, God's way. What about so many of our kids that we raise in church, but when they get about junior high or high school or college, they begin to drift, sometimes away from the church, sometimes completely away from God, and I'm telling you guys, more often than not, they're not coming back. Do you think hearing this stuff will help? Maybe. Maybe we need to raise the bar on what it really means to be a Jesus follower. I think some of them drift away from God because their God is too small. He's too puny. Guys, Jesus was not a used car salesman. Now, there may be used car salesmen in the room, and that was kind of rude, wasn't it? I'm picking on the stereotype. Jesus was not a used car salesman. He wasn't relying on market research before he chose to say something. He wasn't trying to hide anything from anybody, con anyone. He wasn't pulling some kind of a bait and switch. He was flat out brutally honest with both the good stuff, and there was bunches of it, and the hard stuff, and there's a lot of that too. Jesus was not an ivory tower, out-of-touch academic. He knew how dark and how cruel our world can be that he came to save. He knows how difficult it can be life to do life with him in a life, living life in a world that crushed him. Never mistake Jesus' gentleness and his restraint and his love for weakness. He is not a puny God. And two of the things that he tried to teach us were these two. Number one, don't stall. And number two, don't quit. Some of you guys are going to want to follow Jesus, but you're going to want to do as little as possible to be Jesus followers. Just get me across the line. Just get me in no further. Jesus says, that's not it. 
And some of you guys are going to discover that even if you do try to move or even if you try to go slow, it's still going to be hard. And so some are going to be tempted to quit. Jesus says, don't quit. Because we live in a world where a whole lot of people do as little as they can to get by and a whole lot of people quit. Some of you guys are going to be tempted to carry that into your life with Jesus. And you're going to justify it. You're going to say, well, if it's so hard, it can't be God's will. Or if it's so hard, he must not be a good God. Cost too much. And so when things get in the way and they get too hard, we tend to quit. We quit on our marriages. We quit on our kids. We quit on our friends. We quit on our jobs, our education, our dreams. Because too often we look for the path of least resistance. But listen, guys, usually what really, really matters really, really costs. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's got to matter most. And it may cost you everything. Don't stall. Don't quit. Now, does that pump you up? Or does that kind of leave you cold? Is that going to entice more people to start doing life with God for God, God's way? Is that the kind of thing that's going to help us fill up that baptistry like Jesus wants us to do? Well, it is the kind of thing that Jesus said a lot. So if you've got a Bible with you or if you've got a Bible app on your phone or your tablet, find Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. If you don't have an e-Bible, I recommend that you download the version. It's great. It's free. You'll have a Bible with you all the time and it offers just a plethora of different ways with engaging in the Word throughout your week. If you do have one of those paper Bibles, we leave the lights up a little bit in the corner so you can read them back there. Now, this is written by Matthew. Matthew was a text collector. He's used to taking notes. This is a very literate man. He was there. He was the one listening to Jesus, and he records some of what he heard. And he records some of the most challenging words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to just dip into a few places. I'm going to start with verse 21. It goes like this. A brother is going to be betray his brother to death. Wow. Father is going to betray his own child. A child is going to rebel against his own parents and cause them to be killed. All the nations are going to hate you. You know why all of this stuff's going to happen? Because you are my disciples. You're my followers. That's kind of outrageous. I asked Caleb when she was up here to read it in a children's version, not because she can't read others, but because she's extremely articulate, but because I wanted you to hear what it sounds like to a child. Listen to the word she read. A father will let people kill his own child. Can you imagine that? Children are going to be against their parents. They're even going to ask people to kill their parents. People are going to hate you because you are my disciples. Holy cow. I mean, you guys know that brothers betray brothers. You can see it in the news all the time. Some of you guys have experienced it in your own families. I know that dads betray their kids. We betray our kids a thousand different ways every single day. I know kids rebel against their parents. You guys have all seen kids rebelling against their parents every single day. But because they're Jesus followers? And if you knew that that was a possibility, if you chose to follow Jesus, would that deter you from signing on? Did you know that in some cultures today, right now, Bending your knees to Jesus is a death sentence. Committing family suicide, social suicide. There are some Muslims who will actually have a funeral for a family member who converts to Christianity. 
From that moment on, that boy or that girl is dead to them. Other Muslims will actually kill a family member who converts to Christianity. They call it an honor killing. In fact, last year they sentenced a man to death in Texas for either killing or planning to kill five people who are very close to them, including his own daughter, for converting to Christianity. Now, if you knew that were the possibility, would you join Jesus? Would you follow him? Jesus just keeps going. It, it's just hard. Verse 32, Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, publicly acknowledges me, I'm going to acknowledge before my Father in heaven. That's not the hard part. hard part is what comes next. Everyone who denies me, everyone who denies me here on earth, I'm going to deny before my Father who's in heaven. Those are strong words for an ordinary man. He's basically saying, if you back me, if you back me here on earth, that when you get to the gates of heaven, I'm going to let you in. If you don't back me here on earth, when you get to the gates of heaven, you're not going to make it. Because Jesus is saying, it's about me. Heaven and hell are about me. You connect to God through me. You connect to God only through me. Guys, if Jesus is lying, he's the most dangerous liar you've ever listened to. If he thinks he's telling the truth and he's really not, he is an outrageous lunatic. But what if? What if Jesus is just telling us like it is? What if it just is? And we think it is. Which is why it's so important for us to have Jesus followers take a public stand for Jesus. That's huge for us. Which is why people who come down here to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in this room, one of the things we do is ask him to turn around and make a public profession of faith. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm taking him as my Lord and my Savior. We acknowledge him publicly here on earth. That's why our baptistry is so prominent, right up there on the stage, not hidden anywhere. It's got glass in front so you can see what's going on because it's a public statement that you're taking a stand for Jesus. That's why each Sunday... One of the reasons, each Sunday we ask you to get up out of your seats for the Lord's Supper. We ask you to walk to these worship stations around the room. Do you know what you're doing? You're declaring yourself to be a Jesus follower. When you get up out of your chair and you walk to those worship stations, you're telling the people around you, I'm his. I'm a Jesus follower. I want to honor him and worship him and I want to taste his grace. That's what this is about. I know that way too many Jesus followers go to great lengths to hide their Jesus following when they get outside this room. Embarrassed maybe, ashamed maybe, scared maybe. If someone were to ask some of your colleagues or your friends, they'd be kind of shocked to discover that you're Christians because you don't act different, you don't look different, you don't talk any differently. If it weren't for the Capital City sticker on the back of your car, they might never know, right? Well, Jesus isn't telling us that we have to go around Jesus' clothes. He isn't telling us we've got to go around calling each other brother and sister. He's not saying you've got to drop a few of these and thous into your statements. He's saying this, everyone who publicly acknowledges me here on earth, and that is both inside these walls and outside these walls, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But for those who don't, I won't. That's just hard, isn't it? And then he says this, 
Maybe none of you guys have ever actually studied this or thought about what it means. It's pretty outrageous. Jesus says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on earth. Huh? I wonder if Jesus ever read the Christmas story, right? When the angels came and say something about peace on earth, goodwill to men. I wonder if Jesus remembered that little saying in Isaiah where it calls him things like wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Remember that part? And Jesus says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on earth. In fact, he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. You know why? Because I came to turn a man against his father and a son against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his own family. In other words, Jesus says, I didn't just come to start a fight. I, started a, I came to start a fight in your own homes with the people that you're supposed to love most. But here's the deal, guys. Jesus is just being brutally honest. He's just being honest. Do you think he wants your family torn apart? Absolutely not. Truth is, guys, if you actually did life with God, for God, God's way in your homes, you'd have amazing families. Your families would be great. But what Jesus is saying is that following me is more important than making your wife or your kids happy. He's telling the ladies, following Jesus is more important than pleasing your husband or your kids. He's even telling the kids, kids, if what Jesus wants and what your dad or mom wants, if they clash, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Just make sure that you're not using following Jesus as an excuse to get your own way. That's a sin. But Jesus just knows that following him can get under people's skin, including the people who are close to us. Guys, we're all about building strong families here at Capital City. We believe in the power of a strong family. We also believe there are a few things ripping a strong family apart. It's worth it. If there is someone being sexually abused in a family, it's worth tearing a family apart, isn't it? If someone is being physically abused or emotionally abused, and I'm not talking about just a few harsh words, it can be bad enough that it gets worthy of tearing a family apart after you've done everything possible, God-honoring to mend it. What if? What if doing life with Jesus, for Jesus, his way, is worth tearing a family apart? Is it to you? Jesus says it is. Better be. And the next couple of verses, he tells us why. Verse 37. He says, Jesus says, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you're just not worthy of being mine. Isn't that weird? He says, if you love your son or your daughter, your kid, more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Holy cow. In fact, if you ever go over to the Gospel of Luke, he records similar words of Jesus, only he makes it a little bit stronger. He actually says over in the Gospel of Luke, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison... By comparison, you must hate everything else, your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brother and your sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple, which is exactly the opposite of what you'd expect Jesus to say, isn't it? In Ephesians, we husbands are told to love our wives so passionately that we're willing to die for them. Over in Titus, wives are told to love their husbands. And here Jesus is saying, that's cool. But if you're loving them comes in front of loving me, you're not worthy of the name. Jesus' follower. 
because I have to take priority over everyone and everything. I'm just telling you guys, if an ordinary man said anything like this, he'd be the most arrogant jerk ever, wouldn't he? On the other hand, if Jesus really is God, would you want a God that demanded any less? That would be a puny God, wouldn't it? Unworthy of the name. And the truth is, when Jesus says, love me most, he's really not talking about your feelings. He's not talking about your emotions. What he's actually saying is, you've got to put me first, even if you don't feel it. You've got to put me first, even if you don't like it. You see, sometimes as Jesus followers, I'm telling you guys, as Jesus followers, you can't always follow your heart. They're going to tell you you have to, that you've got to follow your heart. That's a lie from hell. You don't have to follow your heart. You follow Jesus even if it clashes with your heart. And at some point you'll discover that following him is what your heart was built for. That's what will fill your heart. One more outrageous, audacious, God-worthy claim. Verse 38. Jesus says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. Because if you cling to your own life, you're going to lose it. If you give up your life for me, that's when you're going to find it. Now, I fear that it's almost impossible for us to hear these words the way Jesus meant them to be heard. We just simply can't do it. You know why? I mean, they'd seen crosses just like we do, but not the ones we see. If you look around this room today, you're going to see all kinds of crosses. Not all of them up on the wall. You're going to see some people wearing them as jewelry. You're going to see some of them as tattoos, right? In fact, one of our guys was telling me last week that one of his co-workers was deeply offended at his cross tattoo. He asked me what to think about it. I said, oh, well. You see crosses hanging on our walls. Well, they saw crosses too, but they never saw crosses bling like we do. They had actually seen a low life carrying a literal cross to a place of execution, usually at a very public place so everybody could watch. They'd seen the humiliation and the shame that were attached to a cross in that day. They'd strip you naked, usually. They would nail you to these wooden beams and then hang you up. People would gather around to make their jokes. Your mom might be there crying at her arms out, but there was nothing she could do. And you might literally hang there for days, bleeding, crying, urinating, incontinent, out there for everybody to see. Everyone who saw you would consider you cursed of God, otherwise you wouldn't be hanging there. And Jesus says, that's what it might cost. Are you in? Are you in? Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him come and die. Listen, guys. Maybe you're not living a life that is worth living if you don't have something that you're willing to die for. Maybe our lives are going to be measured by what we're willing to die for. 
And what could conceivably give life more fullness, more purpose, more value than doing life with God, for God, God's way? Anything else is comparatively trivial, which I think is why so many people have starving souls. I warned you that we'd go deep and not come up for air. Did we do it? Stuff isn't overly, overly fun. Do you think saying this kind of stuff is going to make people want in? Do you think saying this kind of stuff will encourage people to get baptized? Well, maybe it's way more compelling than the shallow and petty substitutes that sometimes we call Jesus following. And maybe it blows out of the water the silliness of some Jesus followers who say they believe in Jesus but live like it really doesn't matter. We live in a culture of easy believism, which is another way of saying. In our culture, a lot of times people want to do as little as possible to get by, as little as possible to get in. And if it gets too hard, they're encouraged to quit, do something else. And it infects the church. If you want to go to heaven, just raise your hand, quit a few words, get wet, and basically you can go out and do whatever you want in life because you've already got your ticket in, right? Jesus says, no. You don't get it. Between your baptism and your resurrection, there is this thing called Jesus following. This thing called discipleship. Doing life with God, for God, God's way. That's where we learn to be Christ-driven, 24-7 Jesus followers, trying to live out his truth and to live out his grace no matter what the cost. And we use the term Jesus following for a reason. If you keep following Jesus, if you keep following him, he's going to take you further and further in, won't he? Until pretty soon you're all the way in. You see, Jesus didn't talk like an ordinary man. He wasn't there trying to sell you anything. He wasn't trying to blaze, play some kind of a bait-and-switch scam. He wasn't trying to distract you so you wouldn't read the fine print. He laid it all out there in front of you. He just says, I'm God. If you want to follow me, people are going to hate you. Some of you might die. If you're going to play games, don't sign on. But if you do sign on, Someday you're going to realize it was the very, very, very best decision you could ever make for your eternity. Because there are things way worse than dying. One thing way worse than dying is a wasted life. Way worse than dying is doing life without God. You buy that? Guys, I've been a pastor here at Capital City now for going on 24 years. It's unbelievable to me because I told you I'd be here three. Your grace is stunning. For 24 years, I have watched some of you grow into magnificent Jesus followers. I've watched some of you guys stall. And I've watched some of you guys quit. Some of you guys are no more mature now than you were 5 or 10 or 20 years ago. And a lot of people who were here are not in this room, not because they just moved, but because they quit. Hundreds have quit on their marriages, on their families, on their church family, on God. You've watched. You've seen people quit serving, quit giving, quit praying, quit repenting, quit community. And I doubt that very many of those folks are going to stand before God someday and reflect back and say, I'm sure glad I quit. 
I know that some people who have quit here have done so because of me. Mortifies me. Because there are times when I have missed on God's truth or I have missed on God's grace. And those are things that I will account for. And there are some who have quit here because of some of you guys. Because you have missed on God's grace or you have missed on God's truth. And those are things that you will have to account for. We're on a mission from God, guys. We're on a mission from God to bring people face-to-face -face with Jesus and to grow them up into Christ-driven 24-7 Jesus followers. I know some people aren't going to make it, but don't let it be because of us. But some have quit because just following Jesus is hard. We live in a consumer culture. We live in a culture of easy believism, a culture of quitters. I mean, and Jesus is telling, not you guys, not you guys. You guys have to step it up. You guys have to toughen up. Take a stand. Don't stall. Don't quit. Do life with him, for him, his way, whatever the cost. Because it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. You buy that? Huh. Now, by what authority does Jesus say these things? What gives Jesus the right to say things like this? Who does he think he is? Does he think he's God? Yeah. Who do you think he is? Do you think he has the right to make such demands, to exercise this level of authority? But ask this. Would you actually want the kind of God who wouldn't be willing to make such demands? Do you want to follow a puny God? One thing about Jesus, he's good, but he is not safe. Now I'm going to ask you to do something this morning that we rarely ever do, probably just a handful of times since I've been here. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now, please, if you don't mind. I'm serious, no peeking. And I know I'm not asking you to make a public confession because eyes are closed. But if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're serious about it, would you please raise your hands? That is so cool. Thank you. And I hope you're willing to take that stand, that same stand when people are watching you inside this room and outside these walls. Now keep your heads down, please, and your eyes closed. If you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but you're not living it. In reality, you've asked him to be your Savior, but not your Lord. Would you raise your hands, please? It's hard, isn't it? Thank you for your courage and your honesty. God honors that. But now it's time to make some changes. Again, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you have never before asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but right now you know it's the right thing to do, would you raise your hands? Can you feel God's Holy Spirit nudging on you? Please don't push back. He's nudging on you to make the single most important decision in your life. Let me pray for you guys. Father, for those who are trying to do life with you, for you, your way, I just pray your courage and your faithfulness and that they will taste the joy of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Father, for those who have confessed Jesus as Lord but are not actually doing life with you, for you, your way, 
please accept their repentance and their recommitment to you. We know that you're always there loving on us. Give them the courage, the strength to take a turn and to be people of God. And Father, for those who have not yet made a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of the life, I pray that you will grant the courage and the wisdom to get it done. And I pray that you don't stop nagging at them until they get it done. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.